Wow. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, at this point, the uh, children can be dismissed for Children's Church. Please pick them up after church is over. Is Mark here? He's not. Well, then I'll make the announcement for him. T-Zone is week after this. Yeah. And we, and we need help. I say we because I'm one of the work crew leaders, and I know I need help. So uh, the uh, form is in your bulletin. If you would please make use of that and uh, come and be a part of us from the 14th to the 19th. It's going to be a good time. We're going to do a lot of good in Marysville and elsewhere. Okay, uh, can you kick the memory verse up there? Let's stand and say the memory verse together. For Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And the scripture, uh, the, the church prayer, let's pray together. Father, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual breakthrough in my life, in our church family, and in our community. Fill us with humility, unity, and passion. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. And may the name of Jesus be held in high honor in all that we say and do. Amen. You may be seated. Hello, everybody. I'm Nathan, and I'm new here. And so if this is your very first Sunday with us, welcome. It's really good to have you here. I'm brand new as well. I've only been the senior pastor here um, just about seven days. And so I'm trying to get used to things, trying to figure out where things are. And so if you're new, welcome. We're just going to kind of stumble together and try to make sense of it all together. But I have found out that this is a wonderful church. They are so incredibly welcoming. And for those of you that were here last Sunday, thank you for the, the notes and the messages uh, that you all gave me and with those little pieces of paper. It turned out to be phenomenal. It's going to take me a while to get uh, kind of organized enough to respond to those that need responses. But thank you. I mean, it was just overwhelming, the kindness and the encouragement. And so, like I said, if you're brand new, this is a great place to be. Uh, keep coming back and we'll try to connect as best we can. So we have two worship services, one that is in the sanctuary, the traditional service, and I'm live there today, but I wanted to create a video for you all in the contemporary service. And so I'm just doing it out of my office right here. And uh, I realized with my shirt, I hope you like Kosai, but um, it's a fun place. But anyway, why? Why do it that way? Because we have a wonderful preaching team of, of pastors um, why am I kind of obsessing about for the first four Sundays trying to do that myself? Well, it's because I know that I need to get to know you and you need to get to know me as quickly as possible. And so I thought, well, maybe I could um, kind of do that by giving the same message for, for both services each of the weeks that I'm here, just right off the bat in those four weeks. Now, 
why not preach early in one service and late in the other one? Pastor Aaron would do that sometimes. And what I heard from our children's ministry folks is that what happened was since we have the kids in the services for that first half of the service, since we have a dedicated Sunday school hour before the services, they're in the worship service, which means that if I preach early in one and late in the other, well, the one that I preach early in, those kids have to sit through my entire sermon. And I don't see a problem with that, but maybe if you're two years old, this isn't the best thing in the world for you. So that's part of why I wanted to figure out either to do a video or simulcast, and so we'll just experiment. We're in an experimental time. as as, as just this past year that the, the folks, the leaders of our church decided, let's try to do both services at the same time. And there are pluses and minuses, and it's exciting. So thanks so much for being flexible, uh, and welcome to my office. I wouldn't show you around right now because it's a real mess except for kind of what's right behind me. So let's just kind of jump in. And first, I just wanna make sure that everybody can hear me well. So if you can hear me, and the tech crew has got it just tuned just right, if you can hear me well, would you raise your hand? Okay, all right, all right, got everybody. The tech crew can adjust as needed, no big deal. Okay, hands down, hands down. Um, if you don't care whether you can hear me or not, raise your hand now. Okay, all right, so the, check, the tech crew were able to kind of make, uh, make adjustments there again. So let's dive in to the message for today. I think you're gonna really enjoy it. So as I started thinking about um, kind of this week, and we have this whole idea of the Independence Day holiday, 4th of July. We have a wonderful country, and I myself, I mean, I just was thinking about how wonderful it is. And then I would see people, you know, some sarcasm online and I saw some memes that were going around and maybe you all saw the, the one with the Queen of England and uh, she's kind of like, you know, staring into the, into the camera and the words say something like, Happy Treason Day, peasants. And it got me thinking about, uh, I was in England several years back and I asked our tour guide who was British and had lived there his whole life, I said, on almost every corner of London, there seems to be an Indian restaurant with Indian food. Like, I would have never guessed that. Like, why is that? And of course he said, well, we used to own India, you see. <laughs> and I said, well, you used to own us as well. And as we were trying to connect there, I just, um, I started thinking, you know, life is complicated. I mean, even in the history of the world, countries, entire countries, they rise, they fall, the boundaries look different. I mean, so if you live a long time, there are so many different things that change. And isn't it nice then to know that we have a God who created us, who doesn't change in terms of God's love for us and God's existence and God's desire to connect with us. And since that's the case, it makes sense then that all Christians that are worshiping this God, this God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, kind of a three person in one God, all of us that are worshiping that one God have a general idea of some general principles of life because it's the same God that's trying to connect to us and trying to help us to live as children of God. So our version of that here at Marysville First United Methodist Church can be expressed with the picture that you see on the bulletin, this whole idea of ACES, um, A-C-E-S. Now, 
a couple of years ago, the leaders before I got here, they dug into the history and then the current reality and the future and so forth of the church. And they said, how could we figure out a strategy for life that people could understand? And they had four parts similar to, to what you, you may find in other churches because it's just coming right out of the scripture. And, um, but, but our way of expressing it then, I tried to figure out how to make that memorable. We talked last week about the A part of this and we realized, okay, actively engage. Actively engage who? Well, everybody around us and God. Actively engage God and those people around us. I, I played off of that, that term first in First United Methodist Church. Now, yes, we were the first United Methodist Church in this whole area. I mean, amazing history. I mean, nearly 200 years of history. Amazing. But you could also think of it as we want to love people first. We want to extend freedom and we want to extend uh, forgiveness and reconciliation to people first. We don't want to just wait, sit back and be like, well, if you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you back. No. And we don't want to just kind of look at people that are really suffering and say, well, if it's convenient for me, maybe someday I'll help them. No, no, no. We want to say no. We're going to go to them first. We're going to extend love, grace. Why? Because God loved us first, showed us his love through Jesus' love for us his death and resurrection for us. God has reached out to us first, so then when we're around other people, we will reach out to them first and not wait for them to come to us. We do that in the worship services, outside when we're just shopping, at work, wherever. That's a part of who we are as Marysville First United Methodist Church. So we start thinking then about, okay, what, what then would kind of that next step be? Because say you, you started that engagement well, what is it that we're trying to do? That's where the C comes in. This word, connect, connect, connect. And as you start thinking about connecting, now I want to just kind of dive into the scripture because we're trying to connect with God in a very, very particular way. We're trying to connect with God through Jesus. And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, it's the very last chapter of that book. And these are some of the last words of Jesus. You could think of it as like the last command that Jesus, that Jesus gave as remembered by and recorded by this guy that we call Matthew. So I'm gonna grab my Bible here as well. I'm gonna set some things here to the side and let's dive in together. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. He's already died. He's already risen from the dead. He's appeared first to the women and then to these other disciples as well. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, that's, it's absolutely powerful. And this, this whole idea, um, a, a really cool pastor that I've really benefited from learning from by his books and some materials and stuff named Steve Morell says, Jesus's last command should be our first priority. Jesus's last command should be our first priority. What's his last command? It's right here. Go make disciples. Well, wait a second. That means if we're not disciples, then Jesus wants us to become disciples. 
we are about conversion. And it's kind of a bad word sometimes in some people's minds. You know, like, ah, no, don't push your religion on me. Well, wait a second. Jesus wasn't pushing. It's kind of like he was pulling us close, saying, I love you. Know that deep love of the Father. And then follow me. And as you follow me, I'll give you eternal life. And then you'll really know what it's like to be loved by God who created you, who has a purpose for you. It's an amazing invitation. It's not putting people down. It's not being that kind of aggressive in your face. You're a terrible person, so you just imagine how much I love you. You know, it's, it's, it's relational. The word connect, we start thinking about this. God is trying to connect with us through Jesus by the power of that Holy Spirit. You can't, just, you can't see it, but it comes from God to us, helping us to connect with Jesus directly and then to grow in our, our Christ-likeness. Now, if you were to think about that in kind of a diagram, a diagram, this is what I've put together here. So you've got Jesus at the top. There is a vertical axis where we are trying to connect with God directly. As we understand God as the Son of God, Jesus, He's our Savior. He's the one that shows us how to live and shows us how God loves us. But then we're also connecting. Remember, Jesus himself is saying, now go make disciples of all nations. And then these other things that we're going to be talking about next week in terms of this whole next step. But as we're trying to connect, we've engaged actively. We've actively engaged other people in God. Now we're starting to really develop a connection between us and God through Jesus. And then we're connecting with non-believers and with believers, non-believers and believers. So you can think of it, and, and I, I got this from, from Steve Morell as well. When, I, when he kind of put it like this, it just made my head kind of pop because when I, I just kind of generically thought we could connect with God and then we connect with people and that's it. But he said, wait, you've got to be intentional about connecting with both groups, the non-believers and the believers. We relate to them in different ways and to some extent, maybe even in different purposes. Now, the purpose is love, but for the non-believer, we're trying to help them to understand what it would mean to become a disciple. With the believers, we're trying to get stronger as disciples and support each other and stay connected so that we don't get picked off by the enemy or so that we don't fall off the cliff of, of despair or, or stress or depression or any of those things. So, connect with God, connect with the non-believer, connect with the believer. Now, if you were taking notes and you're starting to think about your own life, how is it that I'm connecting with God? How am I doing that? And there are different ways. If you're thinking about kind of a daily routine, you might think of things like morning prayer, evening prayer. I try to pray kind of both times. I'm, I'm not the most structured guy in the world, but I, I try to really lean in in the morning and the evening and then throughout the day as well but, but if I, I find out that if i bookend my day with prayer if i go to bed kind of praying just kind of laying there kind of thinking about the lord it gives me peace i don't know about you but i, I need that peace kind of sustaining I'm trying to connect with god then um reading the bible even now, this isn't sufficient in and of itself for, for, you to, for all Christian maturity, but even if you just kind of see a verse and you just think of that verse in the morning, that amazingly helps you to connect throughout the whole day. No joke. On my phone, um, I have a, an app that pushes 
a verse there. So that's the very first thing when I, when I pick up my phone. And if you're like me and you want to get things done and you want to be efficient and effective, you know, you, as soon as you get your phone, you may be thinking, okay, who do I need to contact or call or text or what do I need to look at in terms of, you know, messages, so forth. And it, it just reminds me, no, 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 I got to stay centered on God. God's the priority right off the bat. Um, I use the version Bible app, but I mean, man, there are a lot of other ones that are, that are great. And I'll be experimenting with those too. And you all can tell me your favorites as well. If you think some of us journal, either typing it out or, or physically writing out things in a journal, again, it's trying to help us to connect. Weekly when we worship, why do you come to a worship service? Well, it, it, all kinds of different reasons. But one of them is to just remind yourself to connect and then to help others to connect. And then the worship leaders and the people like me, we're trying to help you to connect with God. And we all do that together. There's something powerful about doing that all together. If you ever watch like a sports game with a bunch of other fans, and maybe even some other fans for the other team, you realize that's a totally different environment than just kind of watching it there on a little screen on your own. Well, this is way more important than anything like that. We're connected with our Creator. We're giving thanks and we're pouring out our heart and we're, we're worshiping God and, and we're learning and being formed by His Spirit and everything. That's amazing, right? And so that's something that we do to try to connect with God. Um, there are other things as well. Uh, you may go on an Emmaus retreat and we'll be talking about that as they come up and just remind people. Uh, just go away for a few days and just really focus in on your spiritual life with God or um, other retreats that will be coming up that our equip team are going to remind us about um, and just phenomenal things for men or for women and for couples and all kinds of different things. Trying to actively engage God, not just sit back on the sideline, but to say, my Christianity is a relationship with God and a daily walk, and I just continue to thirst for connecting with God. So I'm just, Jesus, 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 always kind of turning back to him. But now, what about the non-believers and the believers? Let's talk about the non-believers for a second, because we're in a church, and interestingly, if you're used to going to church as a, as a, as a thing, it may be that a lot of your friends are Christians. And so it may take intentionality to develop a relationship with non-Christians, with non-believers. Now, if you're new here and you're not used to church, you're like, well, man, I got that down. Like <laughs> pretty much everybody I know, they don't really follow Jesus. And so I've already got that. Okay, that's cool. I'll talk to you about believers in a minute. But, you know, so let's think about if you're a Christian, Rick Warren, another great pastor, says, if you'll just think about things that you like doing and then invite some other non-believers to do that with you, that's what we're talking about. Jesus would routinely go to where people are and talk with them there in the market or on the seashore or where they were working and where they were fishing. You know, he would go there and he'd start relating to them and hanging out with them. So much so that other people that thought they were really holy criticized him for it. And they called him a friend of sinners and put him down for that. And Jesus is like, yeah, I am a friend of sinners. I, literally, I actually came here for them. In the same book of Matthew, if you turn back about 10 chapters, you'll see Jesus talking about how important it is for the disciples to go after the one lost sheep, even if they've got 99 in a nice sheepfold and a pen there. You'd think maybe, well, wait, the math should be you care about those 99 and you just take care of them because that one wandering off, you know, that's only one out of 99. And Jesus said, no, it's the opposite. 
there is more celebrating in heaven for that one that comes back, that's able to come back into the fold and, and be cared for by the shepherd. There is more celebrating for that than for the 99 that are like, ah, we're good, we're worshiping together, and we're a holy huddle, and we're good sheep, and yay, look how many of us there are. So, uh-uh. He says, go risk for that other one. So you just start thinking about that. Um, I, I've coached with a guy that I, I was struggling with because he, he didn't have the same values as I did and didn't quite parent the way that I did, but I just really felt called to stay because God loves him and I want to help him to know Jesus better. And man, I struggle with that sometimes. And, and then I think, well, wait, what if other people see his behavior and I'm a coach and he's a coach and we're on the same team and stuff and what? And it's like, well, wait a second, man. Um, I've got to hang out with folks like that. And you're like, well, wait a second. Can't that drag you down into sin? Yes, it can. And we're going to get there in just a second. But think about that. Risking yourself for the sake of being there for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And they're not going to if they don't rub shoulders with people that know Jesus. Like, they, they need to see Jesus through us. So you think about that. Who can you invite to your next party that doesn't know Jesus? Or what neighbor can you really lean into just talking to frequently that doesn't know Jesus? You know, who, who can you invite to that club or that, that team or whatever it is? Or you're sitting there watching that, that choir or the band or the game, and you just realize, well, these people around me, maybe I should actively engage and try to connect with because I really need to connect with, with unbelievers because Jesus really has called me as a first priority and as his last command to go to them and to help them to connect with him. So now let's go to the believer's side because we, we're also called, and you see this with Jesus. He spends time with his 12 disciples and then like 72 disciples. And in different times, there are different numbers. And they're men and women together. And, and you know, he, he invests in them. And they kind of travel together. And they, they overnight together. And, and, you know, as they're traveling and, and kind of lodging and just trying to figure out how to live life in friendship with other believers. And it's not easy. If you know your Bible, you know they argue and they say stupid stuff and they hurt each other's feelings. And they argue over who's more important. And you're like... Does that happen today? Yeah, it does. I know it's hard sometimes. And it would be easy to push away those other people and say, well, you're not really a good Christian. Well, out of those 12 disciples, a lot of them really struggled with that. And they did things that were not exactly Christ-like. And Jesus didn't push them away, did he? He said, no, no, no. Keep, you know, and he kept engaging, kept connecting them. And so as he connects them all together, we've got to connect ourselves together. So a life group, a Bible study group, a Sunday school class. You've got all you know classes that are offered. You're trying to then get to know and do life together and care about one another. Quick story, and then I'm going to give you one final image. Um, there was a guy that I knew who met with a men's group a lot, and they kind of thought that they knew him, and I thought I knew him. He was a funny guy. He was one of these guys that was always laughing and causing everybody else to laugh. And I got a call one night. And I had to go visit the hospital and in the emergency room, he had charcoal on his lips and I knew what that meant. Suicide attempt. He'd taken a bunch of stuff and I'm talking with him and, and his words were, how do they find me? He was in such despair and we had no idea. And I wish that this had a happy ending, but it doesn't. I'm just going to put it out there. His next attempt was successful, even though we started to, to realize, oh my word, like we've got to really invest in 
in connecting with this guy and connecting him with Jesus because there's an emptiness there that we didn't see. And I was only once in a while with the group, but, but the guys that were there, I mean, this guy was a dentist. He was a really good guy. They met for years. We didn't know. He, he was not powerfully connected with Christ, but also not with, with those other guys. And you're like, well, wait, you know, well, I know this guy and that guy, and we hang out. Or our little group, you know, we get together, and, and we ladies, you know, we, we talk and we talk. Well, do you really? Like, do you really open your heart? And it may take a leader to step up and say, I will, I will risk this with these people. I will be honest about what I'm struggling with. I'll be honest about what I some sin that I've done and I'm just going to confess it or I'm going to, I'm going to be honest that I'm really struggling with my faith or, and you're like, man, I don't know if I can trust that group. Well, you got to find some Christians that you're willing to go there because if you don't, other people will not benefit as much from your life with them as they would if you put it out there and you said, you know what? Jesus calls me to go make disciples of all people and that's being a disciple means I'm going to be truthful and honest. I'm going to care about where they're coming from, and I'm going to be open and push myself. So that leads me to this whole idea of risk-taking. Connecting with Jesus, connecting with the non-believers and the believers, we've got to be willing to step out and risk a little bit. And just talking with somebody you don't know very well and trying to engage them, that might be a risk. Or maybe you're really good at that and you can talk to people and you can befriend them. But to take that next step to be like, hey, okay, I'll pray for you. <gasps> I've just shown that I have some faith. Or like, um, <laughs> I got called out recently in a, in a dinner. Um, and I don't know if everybody were believers or not, but this other guy and then one of my sons you know, like, said, okay, pastor, you need to pray for our food. And I was like, whoa, dude, like now I'm going to have to pray out loud. And I don't know if other people, I don't know how they're going to take it. And I was like, wow. Even I'm getting nervous about this, so I get it. I get it. I, I did. I prayed, obviously. <laughs> I was really, really careful to try to point them to Jesus. But here's, here's just a picture, kind of wrap it all together. So here you go. You've got some guys up here. You've got rushing water down below. And this dog was in trouble down in this canal. And the guy walking by saw it. And then these other people got together, and they formed this human chain to reach the dog. Now... If I, as I'm looking at that, I mean, this is, this is a steep angle. I don't know if you can tell or not, but you, these guys are really risking themselves to go down there and get this dog. And I thought about that, and I thought, wait, the folks at the top have to be really securely holding on to something really firm. So these, these posts are concreted in, and they're iron, and they're holding on to that, those. And, and God is that connection. His son, Jesus, is that, that connector between us and God the Father to where that's a firm, firm foundation. So we study the scripture and we pray and we have that relationship and we worship to have that relationship that's firm and not changing. But then we have to link arms, so to speak, with other believers because we're going to try to help somebody. But if we're not linked up and somebody you know, just kind of jumped in the canal and they've got that dog and they're like, I'm going to rescue this dog. But now they can't climb back up on their own. So you have to link up. That's why you regularly risk and intentionally meet with and develop those relationships with other believers so that you've got that connection. Then you can be more safe and more powerful in your reaching out to others. And as you then help them, 
then you can bring them to safety. And this is a really cool story and it kind of made it onto the news and YouTube and stuff. And then if you, if you look on, online, you can find other examples of where people did this out in the ocean to save a little kid and to save a family and human chain firm with that foundation you know, part, the very, very end, you know, somebody's got to really be close <laughs> to the Lord, so to speak. Then we're all kind of connected together by that Holy Spirit power as believers. And they risked their life for a dog. Now, I love dogs, but people are more important. Jesus died for all of us people. And then he says, go make disciples. Go risk. Are you willing to risk? What other people are going to say about you? Maybe your reputation. Maybe some of your own time. Some of your own well-being, maybe. Maybe even your very life to say, I'm going to risk it for that one lost one because that's what Jesus does. And I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm gonna stand up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow him in that. If that's you, I'm gonna pray for you right now and I need this prayer as well. It's way too easy to get comfortable just trying to care for the 99. That's unacceptable in Jesus' eyes, unacceptable. And not only that, but it's a more fulfilling life to go after that one. You see the examples in the scripture. You see those examples in real life here. You might be the result of somebody saying, you're important enough that I'm going to risk my relationship with you or with other people to tell you about Jesus. And I'm going to try to invite you to church. And I'm going to try to love you and help you to know how to pray. If that's you, you're saying, that's the kind of way that I'm going to live. I'm going to actively engage people to connect them with Jesus. Then would you join kind of hand to hand, link arms right now, right now, cross your row there, link arms, we're going to pray. We're going to pray all together. Would you link arms, hold hand hand. You see the chain, human chain. Let's pray. God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would unite us together as your family and you will not abandon your family. You love us. You're reaching out to us and you're helping us to be connected to you and connected to one another. And then God, I pray for bravery. I pray for a courageous spirit to come upon us that will drive us to go make disciples and risk anything and everything that we have for the sake of the one that needs us. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? Yes. Amen. All right. I'll be here with you. I'll be in this building. If you come find me, we'll connect. I'll keep praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. Now, Jesus came to us to make that connection. As we hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came and gave his life for each of us. And on that night that he gave himself for us, he gathers disciples together in the upper room for that Passover meal. And during that meal, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks to God, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. He says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. That's what Jesus risked for you 
his body to be broken on the cross. Then in the same manner, when the supper was over, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks and praise to God, and he gave it to them. And he said, take and drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for you and many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so you are invited to the Lord's table to come forward and to share in this. Would all of the communion stewards please come forward? Jesus gave us this means of reconnecting with him because Jesus is here in his Holy Spirit, just as he was with the disciples in that meal at Emmaus. And he is here with us, sharing together that we can make that connection here so that we can go out into the world and make that connection with those whom Jesus loves, who may not know him as of yet, but through you can come to know him as their Lord and Savior. So let's make that connection this morning as we share together in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.